Morning, everyone. How are you all doing? If you are in kids' church or mini-biz, you guys can head out as well. Um, you guys, uh, your programs will be kicking off very shortly. So good to be here this morning, and I'm really excited to be preaching this morning. Uh, and it is such an honour to be here and doing that. I just want to take a moment uh, before I start to really honour our Pastor Dave. Last week, our 170th celebration, um, that was an amazing service, so much to be thankful for and celebrate, and that purely happened through the vision and commitment of Pastor Dave. And I just wanted to take a moment this morning to thank you for the decades of serving and um, just your envisionment of that last week, really, really special. Well, it is an honour to be here this morning, and I'm really excited to get into what I'm having uh, to share this morning, which is exciting. Um, you may have not heard me preach before, and uh, maybe you have as well. The youth guys this morning will have heard me preach a lot, but I want to give a few facts really quickly about myself, a few little uh, random things that uh, kind of made me who I am today and got me here today as well. So um, for those who know, I was born in Bunbury, which was over in WA. I was uh, born around the Perth area down uh, south of WA, grew up as a PK. If you know what a PK is, that's a pastor's kid. So I always joke with uh, the youth guys that um, I was born on a Saturday night and I was in church on Sunday morning, So, <laughs> which isn't true, obviously, but um, I was basically around church my entire life. From day dot, um, I was around church serving there, first one there, last one to leave. And I grew up uh, following the West Coast Eagles. Which, is anyone follow the West Coast Eagles in here, or is it just me? One! Look out! That's good. That's a good start for, for West Coast. Um, so yeah, grew up, moved to Victoria when I was 10 years old. Moved here, started going to Girton. I came to this church soon after, got involved in the youth ministry here. I started playing footy in the local clubs as well, and... Um, it was a great time. Moving to Victoria was awesome. Um, grew up in the youth ministry here, which is kind of cool because now I'm the youth pastor of the youth ministry that I was in, which is kind of cool to, to be a part of that. Um, I also am a gardener for a job at Mad Cow, if you didn't know that. Do a bit of gardening on the side, which is keeping me busy. I'm also a business owner. I own my own disability support business, and I do that kind of outside of hours as well and keeps me very busy with what I'm doing. So a little bit about what I do and who I am and, and kind of where I got to being here today. I want to take you back this morning, though, to when I first moved to Victoria. Moving from WA all the way to Victoria, uh, I didn't know anyone here. I didn't know anyone at school. I didn't know anyone here at church. I kind of knew a bit of my family that's around Bendigo, but I was very new to Bendigo. I had no idea it even existed till I got here. Uh, I started going to Girton, didn't know anyone there. Started playing footy, didn't know anyone there either. And I felt like I was a bit on the outer I went from being in an environment I knew everyone to basically knowing no one. And I felt like I was kind of on the outside of what was going on. I, uh, I said different things when I was growing up too. Like, you know, when you change the TV, it's called a TV remote. Anyone? Yeah, everyone knows what that is. In WA, they call that a flicker, which is random as. Uh, everyone here says castle, WA castle. All right. So I said different things, obviously supporting the West Coast Eagles. I got all sorts of slack for that. Um, but I felt like I was a bit on the outer. And this morning I wonder, have you ever felt like you were on the outer in your life? You know, maybe you're in school or maybe even university and you're a bit like me where you've kind of, you don't really know anyone around school, you've just moved there maybe or you're in a new class and you kind of don't know anyone and you feel like you're kind of a bit on the outside a little bit at school or at uni or you're kind of not in the friendship group that you want to be in, you're in kind of on the outside of that and you're kind of feeling like you're a little bit on the outside. Or maybe this morning in the workplace, 
Uh, you're not quite high enough in the workplace to understand why we do certain things or the processes that we have at work, but you can't just go through the motions and you can't just feeling like you're a little bit on the outer of why we do what we do at work. Or maybe this morning you're a little bit older and you're retired, but once upon a time you used to be involved heavily in this church and some young 21-year-old called Matt Johnson's come through and started to lead the youth ministry and you don't really know what's going on and you're feeling like you're a bit on the outer even in this place this morning. Or maybe you're new here this morning or maybe you're a guest here and even in this place you're kind of feeling like you don't really know anyone and you're kind of feeling like you're an outer even here this morning if you're new. You know, I think we can all relate at some point in our life or some circumstance in our life where we're feeling like we're a bit on the outer. And this morning I want to open up the uh, the word to Acts 6, and we're going to read about a, a group of people that also felt like they were on the outer in their circumstance. I'm going to be in verse uh, 1 in chapter 6 of Acts, and it's going to be on the screens as well if you want to read along with me, but I'm going to dive into to this group that felt like they were on the outer in this passage. In verse 1, it says this, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers... Select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then the apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, I practice these words all week and the first one always gets me. Prochorus, is, is that right? Nicanor, Timon, Tarmenthus, and Nicholas of Antinoch, an early convert of the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles, who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Can I pray for us quickly, and then we're going to get into what that means for us today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this morning. I want to thank you uh, for your word. I want to thank you for this passage. And I pray this morning that you would be speaking to every single heart this morning about what these seven verses mean for us today. I pray that you would be speaking through me, give me the words to say this morning. And then I just pray that you would encourage us to go and live out what these, this passage means for us from this moment on in our lives. And I just pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. To give you a bit of context leading into this first verse, um, there's a cool kind of scenario that's kind of unfolded prior to this. You see, the Hebrew-speaking believers, right, they had a Jewish faith history that was central and foundational to how they lived their lives. You know, they grew up getting taught that they needed to care for their widows and the orphans, and they were already relationally connected to one another. They spoke the same language as one another, even like if you want to call it like a faith language, they kind of were on the same page with their faith as well. And although Jesus was kind of new to the Hebrew-speaking believers, they had this history they could draw upon that grew them closer together. 
On the contrast to this, the Greek-speaking believers, everything was new to them. Everything. They weren't relationally connected in the same way. Prior to Jesus, they were excluded by the Israelites as unclean. They didn't socialize together, let alone worship or eat together. And this whole kind of scenario was completely new to the Greek-speaking believers. Now, it was revolutionary that the Jews and the Gentiles were in the midst of one another. And it's kind of a testament leading into this first verse of the work of the Holy Spirit already um, what he's done in this, before this has even happened. The fact they're even together as a group shows that the, the Holy Spirit has done a work already. Then we get into verse 1 and we see the Greek-speaking believers are feeling like they're a bit discriminated against, complaining about the food distributions to those widows. The game plan kind of unfolds in verse 2 and we see that the apostles choose seven men who is going to take over this responsibility so they can focus on teaching and preaching. Verses 5 and 6, we see these men named and chosen. And I find it's interesting that they name each person in this spot, especially the names Stephen and Philip. I don't know if you know much about these guys, but Stephen goes on and is used in a powerful way from this moment until his death. And Philip goes out as a key evangelist in Acts 8. And both these men were chosen in this moment to go and serve food, but that's where their ministry started in verses 5 and 6. Then we see in verse 7 that God's uh, message continues to spread, lives were changed, and the believers increased. Even Jewish priests were being converted. You know, the apostles made a small change in this moment, but the fruit that came from it was incredible. There was a small change, but in the hands of God, something extraordinary happened in this moment. You know, these seven verses, there's a lot that we could dive into this morning. But I want to focus on just two key aspects that I think are really important. And I feel like God's been speaking to me about as I've been preparing for this message. And the first one is this. The rumblings of discontent led to a solution. I'll say that again. The rumblings of discontent from the Greek-speaking believers led to a solution. When I first read this passage, I don't know about you, but with the work of the Holy Spirit doing a bunch of things leading up into this, I thought to myself, how can these guys be sitting here and complaining about how much food they're getting? Like, come on. They've seen the, the work of the Holy Spirit into this moment change their whole environment, where they're living, how they're doing life, and they're sitting there and they're complaining about food. I thought, come on, seriously? But then I realized something for a moment. That the rumblings of discontent that they had, the concerns or the complaining that they had, was actually a good thing. You heard me right. It was actually a good thing. What do I mean by this? Well, you see, if the Greek-speaking believers didn't complain, didn't voice their concerns, didn't voice how they were feeling, then the rest of this passage wouldn't have happened. If they didn't speak up, nothing beyond this would have happened. The problem wouldn't have been highlighted. The apostles wouldn't have called a meeting. The seven men wouldn't have been chosen, prayed over, given responsibility. Highlighted the, 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 the discontent in this moment highlighted a problem and allowed God to make room for people to step in and be a part of the solution, which was a good thing. And you know, here's the catch though. There's a difference between complaining and discontent. There's a difference between the two. 
Complaining against kind of this posture of kind of sitting back and kind of just pointing the finger, right? Oh, this wasn't good. I didn't like how this was done. This, this person hurt me. It's kind of this approach of kind of sitting back and just kind of pointing the finger. And I don't know about you, but I've been a culprit of that. I've, I've been a culprit of sitting back in my life and complaining about different circumstances or the things that have been given to me or the things I've got to deal with. Sitting back and just pointing the finger. But there's a difference when it comes to discontentment, right? There's a heart response. There's a difference in posture when it comes to discontentment. You're kind of leaning forward and you have this sense in your body to see a change or see something different or desire to see something happen in a moment. The outcome of discontentment is actually a good thing when it's given over to God. A problem can turn into a solution. Now, in this story, did the Greek-speaking believers think that them complaining about the food distribution would lead to this incredible story about God using them and things changing? Look, probably not. They were concerned that they weren't getting enough food. But I think it highlights to us this morning as we're sitting here that the problems in our lives or the circumstances in our lives or the things we've got to deal with, when we hand it over to God, He can do something good with it. A problem can turn into a solution. You know, when I was in school, uh, we had this problem every lunchtime. We would run out into the, uh, the playground, into the footy field, and uh, there was this kind of concrete area with some down ball courts in it. And we found every single lunchtime, every single recess, we wouldn't get to these down ball courts early enough. And there wouldn't be any there for us to play on. And all we wanted to do was play down ball. Now, if you don't know what down ball is, it's like four squares joined together, and you like hit it into your one, and then it goes into someone else's, and then they hit it. And Anyway, it's a good game. And uh, we found every single lunchtime and recess that uh, we couldn't get a court, or there was only one court, and then there was like a line of 20 people, and we found ourselves complaining in this moment. Term after term, we would complain, oh, we need some more down ball courts, this isn't fair, our problem is just like, the teachers aren't listening to us. Until one day, someone was like, oi, we should get some chalk. We're like, oi, that's a good idea. And we came in and we drew some squares with some chalk and all of a sudden, our problem was solved. Now, the, the squares weren't just drawn on anywhere. The squares were drawn on to the, the original squares. So all of a sudden, rather than four square, we had 10 square. And we created this game called Hectic Bowl, where you have 10 people in and it's just like you're just hitting it and then people going everywhere. And Anyway, it was a great game. Good, good game, right? Changed our whole high school once we created Hectic Ball. And, um, but I think the, the story of that is funny, but I think that the principle is still the same when it comes to this passage. We, sent, we spent time after time, term after term, complaining about our problem. But all of a sudden when we were like, you know what, let's be part of the solution here, something good was created. Something good was created. I think in our walks with Jesus, I think it's the same thing. If we sit back and just complain, no fruit will come from that. But if we lean forward and be a part of the solution in that, then I think God can take that and create something good. The second thing that I realize in this passage is this. The spreading of the gospel was the fruit. You see, the story at the end here says the gospel continued to spread. Lives transformed. Even the Jewish priests were converted the number of believers continued to grow. You know, this story shows me the importance of both the preachers, the apostles, and the food servers, the seven men that were chosen, in spreading the gospel. 
know, we're in this series at the moment called Whatever It Takes, this whole idea of the church, us as the church, doing whatever it takes to see the gospel spread in this city. Having this attitude of whatever it will take, God, would you use me in playing a part in that? And this story highlights that we all have a part to play. The apostles had a part to play. The seven men had a part to play. Even the believers sitting back and watching had a part to play in seeing the gospel spread in this moment. And I think for us today, it's the same. It's not my job as the pastor or the preacher this morning to spread the news. It is, sorry. But it's not only my job to do it. It's also the people serving in our kids' ministries or the cafe or the people sitting on our seats here this morning. We all have a part to play in seeing the gospel spread in this city. You know, this morning, if you're new, I, uh, I'm going to give you permission just to tune out for just a couple moments. I want to talk to the people that call this place their home church. You come here regularly. You're a part of this church. This is, this is your home. I want to talk to you guys just for a moment. I would say that us as a church, we are like the insiders in this place. What do I mean by that? The insiders, you guys that call this place your home, you know how things roll. You know how our services go. You know the other people that are sitting next to us in the seats. You know kind of what to expect you come to church. You know, you expect the certain people to be here. You expect kind of uh, even the service right now. You would expect something in this service because you come here and you're an insider in this place. But there's a whole city out there that would look at this church and feel like they are on the outer. At the start of this message, I identified some things that we felt like in our lives we were on the outer. People would look at this church and feel the same way. It's too nerve-cracking to go. They don't really know what it is or this whole Jesus thing isn't for me. They kind of would, they would look at this place and think, oh, I'm, I'm kind of on the outer. I don't want to kind of step in. And us as the insiders in this place... It's our responsibility to go out, grab those people, share the gospel with them, and bring them into this place. Break down that wall of, I don't know what's kind of going on. We know what goes on here. So why don't we go out, grab our friends, grab our family, grab our work colleagues or our friends or people we go to school with or play sport with, whoever it may be, and bring them in and show them what the gospel is in this church. It's our responsibility as the insiders, if I can call it, to go and get the outsiders and spread the gospel to them. You know, even if you're a new or if you're a guest here, the same thing applies to you. If you're kind of visiting or if you're kind of new to this place, the same applies to you. To go out and grab those people in your life and bring them in and share the gospel. It's your responsibility to be able to share the gospel to those around us. So I have a few questions for us this morning to kind of make a a bit of application to us. We're around these two ideas of of spreading the gospel, but also being part of the solution. And the first question I have is this. What in your life might you be sitting back and complaining about? Sitting back or kind of pointing the finger and, and just complaining about it. What situations might you be going through right now that God wants you to be actually part of the solution in? To step up and rather than looking at the problem, but be a part of the solution. 
or even kind of switching again, but will you actually do whatever it takes to spread the gospel in this city? Will you see opportunities and actually step into sharing the gospel in this city? You know, my prayer this morning is that we would all answer those questions in our own lives. Take a, a rain check for us personally and think, maybe I've been complaining about this and God's actually wanting me to be part of the solution. Or maybe there's some people or some names that are kind of popping into our heads right now of people that we need to start to invite, that they would be on the outer, but we need to bring them into this church. We need to start to spread the gospel to those that are around us. You know, what will it actually take for us to start doing this? What will it actually take for us to start stepping into those questions? I think the answer to that is in verse 3. I'm going to read verse 3 again for us. It says this, And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected, are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. You know, the believers and the apostles, in this moment, they didn't look for the best cooks. They didn't look at the food program and say, all right, we need a good chef here to be able to do this program. Or they didn't think, oh, we need a good budgeter to be able to make this program last a long time or even a fundraiser to be able to fund this program. No, 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 they didn't look for any of that. The three characteristics they looked for was well-respected, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. And I think those three characteristics is what God is looking for in us today. If we want to be part of the solution in seeing the gospel spread in our city, it's not to be the best preacher or the best evangelist or the best this, best that. No, no, no. It's to be well-respected, full of the Spirit and of wisdom. What does that mean for us? What does it mean to be well-respected? I think it's acting in integrity, acting in good character in everything that we do. What does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit? I think it's the fruit of the Spirit in our life, acting in goodness, selflessness, uh, self-control, sorry, goodness, kindness, in love, being transformed every single day to be more like Jesus. I think that's being full of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to have wisdom? I think it's fearing the Lord. I think it's actually looking at the things around us and and taking faith-filled steps in our lives. I think those are the keys and the evidence in our life that we need to start to chase if we want to see us be a part of the solution in seeing the gospel spread in this city. I'm going to um, unashamedly plug the youth ministry for a second. I love these guys. I love the youth ministry. I love the youth team. Um, But we've been on this journey a little bit the last couple months in our space. This whole idea of us being sold out us being part of the solution in seeing other young people come to know Jesus. We have um, have a ton of people coming through our doors that are new every single week. Even on Friday, just gone, like two days ago, we had three girls give their heart to God for the first time, which is so cool. Um, And these guys had no background around faith. They've kind of wanted in from inviting uh, someone inviting them in and they've given their hearts to God on Friday. And the week before that, Uh, We were preaching about um, the distractions that can be in our lives that hinder us from hearing from God. And for the next generation, I think the the biggest distraction for them to try and deal with is their phones. Even when I'm preaching, I preach a lot at youth, and um, the lights are a little bit darker than this, and I can see the glow on their face 
as I'm preaching, and there's these guys on their phones as I'm preaching. And that's at youth, let alone being at home or being at school. I know that it's a distraction for this next generation. And we had a moment in youth where we, we were like, you know what? If we want to actually be part of the solution in seeing the gospel spread in our lives and through our lives, then these, these phones, they can't be a hold on our lives anymore. And there's a photo on the screen that's going to pop up of how many teenagers came and put their phone on the stage right here. I don't even know how many there are. You can see them kind of scattered on the front of the stage there. There's probably 20 or 30 or 40 phones there. These are youth that have said, you know what? My phone is going to be a distraction of being part of the solution in seeing my life changed and other people's lives changed. That's what it looked like on Friday night for us to be sold out to this idea. And maybe this morning you have the same distraction with your phone. Or maybe it looks completely different for you in being sold out to this idea of being the solution in seeing the gospel spread. I'm not going to ask us to bring our phones for this morning to hear, but I do want to ask you is, what does it look like for you today? For us, it looked like putting our phones down and praying a prayer over that. But for you this morning, what is it going to look like? What do you have to do in your life to start to see this shift and see our lives start to be used by God in a powerful way? That's a good one, yeah. Surrender, 100%. So I actually want to finish this morning with just a prayer. A prayer of uh, opportunity for us to step into this. I think that God is, uh, is faithful and will always give us opportunity if we ask. And I think with this, that's what we have to do. If we're going to be sold out to being part of the solution, we need to ask God for opportunities to do that. We want to give uh, an opportunity for us to uh, spread the gospel, share Jesus with our friends, our family. We have to ask God for opportunities. So this morning, I actually want to pray a prayer to finish with a prayer of opportunity for us this morning. And if that's you, if you want to be uh, a part of that, if you want to have an opportunity to be able to sow into that, to be a part of it, to be impacted by it, I actually want to kind of get into a position of us just kind of holding out our hands like this. If that's you and you're like, yep, I want that map this morning. Um, I want to just get into a position of being able to be ready to receive from God for the most opportunities. And I'm just going to pray. And if that's you this morning, I just want you to put your hands out. And uh, I want to finish by, by praying that prayer and, and being part of that. So would you partner with me as I pray? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for this passage. I want to thank you for the story of discontentment with the Greek-speaking believers that led to seven men being chosen, prayed over, and a part of seeing the gospel spread back then. And I just pray right now, Jesus, that that opportunity would be so evident for us this morning as well. I pray that we would be sold out to the idea of being part of the solution, not just sitting back and pointing the finger or complaining about things or seeing where change could happen, but us being fired up and ready to be part of the solution in that. I'll just pray for opportunities right now for every single person in this building, for us to be able to be a part of it, to have opportunities to be able to share Jesus with our friends, our families, our workplaces, our community. God, right now, I just pray that we would be open to those opportunities, have the faith and the courage to step into those opportunities that we would start to see and hear stories around where you're moving and the lives that have been transformed through us, God, and 
even want to thank you for Friday night for those three girls that committed their hearts to God. I just pray that that would be a starting point. That today and this week, God, that we would just get story after story after story. As we think about being part of the solution to seeing other people's lives changed in our city, I just pray you would continue to give us opportunities in that, give us the strength to be in that, and that we would be able to praise and worship your name as you've worked through us this week. And I just pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.